Welcome to The Randy Report. I'm Randy Slavacek, your host. I'm also the writer and editor of therandyreport.com, where you can find me every single day on the internet reporting on the daily news cycle in terms of politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community and its allies. In this week's headlines, Joe Biden was sworn in as president and addressed LGBTQ issues on day one. Adult performer Matthew Camp speaks out about the early morning arson attack that destroyed his home. Out singer-songwriter Kisos released his new music video, He Didn't Want Me. All that and more in this episode of The Randy Report. Before I get to the news, I wanted to take a moment to say thank you to the thousands of listeners who tune in for The Randy Report. Of course, it's always more fun when you're here, and it's immensely gratifying to know that folks have an interest in being up to date on LGBTQ news. I have a request for you, though. I'd like to know what topics you'd like to hear more about. More politics? More sports and out athletes? More entertainment news? Movies? TV? Music? I'm inviting you to let me know. You can email me at randyslavacek at gmail.com. I'll have the email address in the show notes as well. And let me know. Now, on with the news. And what a week it was. Joe Biden was sworn in as president this past week alongside history maker Kamala Harris as vice president. And the new administration immediately went to work, including addressing LGBTQ issues. On day one, as promised, just hours after taking the oath of office, President Biden, ah, that sounds good to me, signed 17 executive orders, including one directing all federal agencies to fully implement the U.S. Supreme Court's ruling against anti-LGBTQ discrimination under federal law. The first paragraph of the executive order states, All persons should receive equal treatment under the law, no matter their gender identity or sexual orientation. The order instructs the head of each agency to review all existing orders, regulations, guidance documents, policies, program, or other agency actions that prohibit sex discrimination to revise and amend such policies, to include banning discrimination on the basis of sexual orientation and gender identity. The order cites the Supreme Court ruling for Bostock v. Clayton County, which was handed down last June. The 6-3 decision found that Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964 protects employees on the basis of their gender identity or sexual orientation because such animus is a form of sex discrimination, which is clearly prohibited under the Civil Rights Act. In the seven months since the ruling, the Trump administration chose not to implement the ruling, Kel Surprise. That inaction was consistent with most of the Trump administration's policies regarding LGBTQ rights and protections. Biden's executive order also addresses how discrimination can often overlap with other forms of prohibited discrimination, including animus based on the basis of race or disability. The language specifically notes that transgender black Americans face unconscionably high levels of workplace discrimination, homelessness, 
and violence, including fatal violence. Human rights campaign president Alfonso David said in a statement, Biden's executive order is the most substantive, wide-ranging executive order concerning sexual orientation and gender identity ever issued by a United States president. Millions of Americans can breathe a sigh of relief knowing that their president and their government believe discrimination based on sexual orientation and gender identity is not only intolerable, but illegal. And today, Biden signed another executive order, this time repealing Donald Trump's ban on transgender Americans serving in the U.S. military. A statement from the White House read, President Biden believes that gender identity should not be a bar to military service and that America's strength is found in its diversity. Allowing all qualified Americans to serve their country in uniform is better for the military and better for the country because an inclusive force is a more effective force. Simply put, it's the right thing to do and is in our national interest, end quote. In addition to reversing Trump's ban on transgender service members, Biden's executive order also requires corrections to the record of any soldier affected by the ban. A Gallup poll conducted in June 2019 showed 71% of Americans support allowing transgender Americans to openly serve in the military. Biden has also promised to sign the Equality Act, which would add LGBTQ protections to existing federal civil rights laws into law within his first 100 days. But the impending second impeachment trial of Donald Trump might slow things down a bit. The Senate Judiciary Committee, which would oversee the Equality Act bill, is the same committee now tasked with the impeachment proceedings. Additionally, Senate Democrats will need 10 Republican colleagues to vote in favor of the bill since there's a 60-vote threshold required to close debate and move to a vote. Also in new administration news, Pete Buttigieg, the openly gay former mayor of South Bend, Indiana, has already sat for his Senate confirmation hearing for Transportation Secretary with the Senate Commerce, Science, and Transportation Committee. And he began by thanking his husband for his support. With Chaston sitting nearby, the Transportation Secretary nominee said, quote, I'd like to take a moment to introduce my husband, Chaston Buttigieg, who is here with me today. I'm really proud to have him by my side. I also want to take this chance to thank him for his many sacrifices and his support in making it possible for me to pursue public service. Many people on social media noted how seeing a gay cabinet nominee introduce his husband would have meant a lot to them growing up. And by the way, for those wondering, Buttigieg's committee appearance went very well. Should he be confirmed, and all signs point to that, he will be the first openly gay cabinet member to be confirmed by the Senate. Also notable, President Biden has picked transgender physician Dr. Rachel Levine to serve as Assistant Secretary for Health at the Department of Health and Human Services. Once confirmed, she will become the highest-ranking transgender official in the United States government. She'll also be the first openly transgender federal official confirmed by the Senate. A pediatrician with degrees from Harvard College and Tulane Medical School, Levine currently serves as Pennsylvania's Secretary of Health and as the state's Physician General. Pennsylvania's Republican-controlled Senate confirmed her three times for those posts. She's been instrumental in leading the state's response against COVID-19. 
Since taking on her current position, Levine has created programs to help people through the pandemic and help to tackle the opioid crisis. In a statement, Biden said she is a historic and deeply qualified choice to help lead our administration's health efforts. And one more bit of news from the new administration. President Biden's nominee for Secretary of State, Antony Blinken, said during his confirmation hearing he will appoint an envoy for LGBTQ rights and allow U.S. embassies to display the rainbow pride flag. The envoy position, established during President Obama's time in office, had been left vacant by the Trump administration, and former Secretary of State Mike Pompeo notably did not allow embassies to fly the pride flag on official flagpoles. Noting violence directed toward LGBTQ people around the world, Blinken told the Senate Foreign Relations Committee, Appointing the envoy is a matter, I think, of some real urgency. He said, We've seen the highest number of murders of transgender people, particularly women of color, that we've seen ever. And sadly, that's true even here in the United States, where last year at least 44 trans people died by violence in 2020. That's the highest number since records have been kept, and the situation is serious in many other countries as well. Blinken added that he believes the United States should be playing a role in standing up for LGBTQ rights and that, under his watch, he plans for the State Department to address those issues immediately. All in all, it's been a refreshing week for LGBTQ people since Joe Biden became president. And exhale. In medical news, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration has approved a long-acting, once-a-month injection that can replace the daily pills now used to control HIV infection. This is the first FDA-approved injectable, complete regimen for HIV-infected adults that is administered once a month. Medical researchers expect the two-shot combo, called Cabinuva, will make it easier for HIV-positive people to stay on schedule with their HIV medications. Cabinuva consists of two drugs packaged together, but given as separate shots once a month. The drug makers are also testing the effectiveness of taking the injection every eight weeks as opposed to every four, but they haven't reported fully on that yet. The FDA approved Cabinuva for use in adults who have had their disease well controlled by conventional HIV medicines and who have not exhibited signs of viral resistance to the two drugs used in Cabinuva. The FDA also approved Vocabria, a tablet form of Cabinuva, which should be taken for one month prior to starting treatment with the injectable to ensure the medications are well tolerated before switching to the extended release shots. Dr. Stephen Deeks, an HIV specialist at the University of California, told ABC News that a once-a-month treatment will, quote, enhance quality of life for those on HIV medications. He noted that people don't want those daily reminders that they're HIV infected. Deeks also believes a monthly dose will be easier for some who have a difficult time staying on a daily schedule, like those with mental illness or substance abuse issues. In addition to treating those living with HIV, Viv Healthcare, the maker of one of the drugs, called cabotegravir, hopes to make their drug available as PrEP for HIV prevention. Two studies so far have shown an injection of cabotegravir every two months was more effective than taking Truvada on a daily basis. 
Adult performer Matthew Camp woke up in the early morning hours of January 14th to find his home in Poughkeepsie, New York, had been set ablaze in an apparent hate crime. In an Instagram post, Camp shared, An arsonist poured gasoline on the front porch of my home and set it on fire in an apparent hate crime. I was asleep inside. I'm alive to face this person one day, but everything I've ever owned is gone. Share this story because queer people are still under attack all over the world. Camp added, our voices will not be silenced. The former go-go boy turned sex-positive advocate and only fan star went on to share that since the attack, quote, I'm just living day to day trying to piece together what's left. He closed his post, thanking friends and family for their support and continued fight to keep our queer families safe. Despite the vast damage to the home, Camp and his roommate, Six Carter, were both able to escape the fire unharmed. A home security camera captured the arsonist coming up the steps of Camp's home just seconds before the blaze and splashing a liquid, presumably gasoline, all over the front porch. The timestamp on the video shows it was 5.09 a.m. The city's police and fire departments received 9-11 calls reporting the fire at 5.12. The Poughkeepsie Journal reports that once the fire was out, quote, an investigation quickly determined that it was a case of arson. The identity of the arsonist is still unknown, but authorities are continuing to investigate. The home was previously owned by a Satanist named Joe Netherworld Mendio, who died in January of last year. Camp purchased the residence in October. The home is apparently well-known in the area as the Halloween House. The nickname is apparently derived from decorations both outside and inside the residence, and a hearse reportedly used to sit in the driveway. Speaking to New Now Next, Camp spoke out about the attack that destroyed his home, saying, I don't have any enemies that I know of, but I'm a gay sex worker who bought a house that used to be owned by a Satanist. I don't know who did it, but it's not hard to guess why they would. In my last podcast episode, I previewed the new five-part drama series, It's a Sin. This past Friday, the miniseries debuted on Channel 4 in the UK, and the reaction from the LGBTQ community is overwhelmingly positive. The series, from Queer as Folk creator Russell T. Davies, chronicles the journey of four friends in London during a decade in which everything changed including the rise of AIDS. The official synopsis reads, It's 1981, the start of a new decade, and Richie, Roscoe, and Colin begin a new life in London. Strangers at first, these young gay lads and their best friend Jill find themselves thrown together and soon share each other's adventures. But a new virus is on the rise, and soon their lives will be tested in ways they never imagined. As the decade passes and they grow up in the shadow of AIDS, they're determined to live and love more fiercely than ever. Russell, who I mentioned created Queer as Folk and was responsible for the 2005 revival of Doctor Who, has been lauded for his astonishing writing and the heart he brings to these stories. The Twitterverse after the debut was full of praise for the new series. One Twitter user wrote, TV should educate, empower, shock, and open our eyes to the world around us. And that's what It's a Sin has just beautifully and effortlessly done. It wasn't sugar-coated or romanticized. It was raw and pure and truthful. Everyone needs to watch this.
Another tweet read, Just finished It's a Sin. No spoilers, but what you'll witness with Episode 5 is one of the most amazing pieces of TV drama ever. For those of us in the U.S., It's a Sin will debut on HBO Max February 18th. Out singer-songwriter Kisos dropped his new music video, the guitar-driven He Didn't Want Me last week. For Kisos, the video is as much cinema as it is real life, a rebirth after a difficult few years dealing with heartbreak, self-hatred, and loneliness. In an ethereal ritual of communal love, Kisos transforms physically and spiritually right before the viewer's eyes in order to truly come to the acceptance the song is about. In a press release, Kiso says, He Didn't Want Me is about the acceptance stage of grief, and because it's lyrically so depressing, I wanted to balance that with an uplifting, ethereal ritual of rebirth. It was important for me to honor the symbolic hands of friends and family who cared for me at my lowest points, people who helped me shed my self-hatred, allow love and beauty back in, and re-internalize that I am worthy. Kisos adds that he and his cinematographer filmed 100% by candlelight, staying up all night for the sunrise scenes that close out the metamorphosis. The music video is the final release from his sophomore EP, Sweet Nothings, where every song corresponds to a different stage of grief. Adwood Magazine described Kisos' work as suave pop that comes to life in a dizzying array of musical color. And Billboard calls the new music video another beautiful layer to the star's already heartrending song. The single and music video are all out on digital download sites now. You can check out the music video where else? At The Randy Report. And that brings me to the end of this episode of The Randy Report. If you enjoy catching up on LGBTQ news in a quick podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with your friends. I like to think of The Randy Report as the 60 minutes of gay news only shorter. And remember, you can find me every single day on the internet at therandyreport.com, where I cover the daily news cycle regarding politics, pop culture, and entertainment news of interest to the LGBTQ community. Now, just a few quick reminders. I want to repeat my request that if you have any thoughts about the content of the Randy Report podcast, I'd appreciate it if you would share it with me. My email address is randyslovacek at gmail.com, and I'll have that in the show notes as well. Also, please remember to wear a face mask in public, wash your hands a lot, practice social distancing, and take care of yourselves. Thanks for listening, folks. See you next time. If you wanted me, you would have told me. And if you loved me, you would have shown me. If he wanted me, he would have wanted me to be happy Wouldn't always have to be asking for a moment of his time I forced something that wasn't there, ignored the signs you didn't care Cause when you kissed me, I believed it Until you met me at the park, looked in my eyes, blew out the spark Admitted that you'd never feel it
didn't always have to be asking for a moment of his time. I asked everyone helplessly, what didn't he see in me? How did he move on so quickly? They said all words of wisdom made the deed. Honestly, he didn't seem to care enough to keep on fighting. Reflect on the simple truth, though. We fight for those who we love, no excuse. Thank you. 